Welcome back to another episode of the Gentleman Ultra Podcast. We are back with Calcio Castaway, and this week we'll be continuing to talk to some of Calcio's finest connoisseurs and asking them to name their top favourite goals, two favourite games, and if they had to sit down and watch it with someone, who would it be? What player and why? Last week we started off talking to Dominic Liss and we had a fun doing that, uh, going right back into some history there, especially with the Torino teams. And this week we're joined by another great guest, it's ESPN's Andrew Cesare. How are you, Andrew, and how's life without football been treating you? Hey, Richard, thanks a lot for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, oh yeah, same as everyone really, it's just been a bit just sitting around and waiting for football to come back, hoping, hoping that Lee, Lee said, yeah, doesn't get cancelled this year and we can um, have a bit of a title race. But, um, you know, the, the return of the Bundesliga is giving me hope that there is a sort of a way out, if you will, for uh, Serie A. So let's hope we get some more football soon. Yeah, well, announcement yesterday, well, as we're speaking today, it's uh, we're looking at <laughs> the 22nd of May and uh, they are talking about 13th of June, potentially, if not the 20th of June to kickstart it. So, you know, fingers crossed that it does, it does come back, even if it's going to obviously be behind closed doors because it is has been missed, but, you know, it does end up seeing us all watch a lot of old reruns, a lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot yeah. of nostalgia going on at the moment, particularly dropping in today the mention of uh, it, 10 years since uh, Inter's treble win. I thought I'd get that in early because otherwise I'd like it. So plenty, plenty for me to watch today. So it's, uh, but it's, have you been watching much, um, a lot of old football last couple of weeks, months? I, I have, yeah, actually. I've been... Um... Just like yeah, just enjoying the nostalgia, looking back at some of the old, uh, some of the old clips on YouTube, uh, some of the old football Italia clips, which are always great to watch. Um, I remember, uh, yeah, Premier Sport I think did a, a week of just like classic game each day at lunchtime, so that was nice to um, get back on stuff, see some of the old classic kits and like some of the iconic players from the sort of uh, the mid to late nineties era. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I think some more on this week as well, which is good because, uh, yeah, it's good to look back on those. I've been tweeting out a load of uh, old games and take pictures back. Yeah, I've been enjoying some of, the, some of the players and, you know, you, you completely forget about, you know, you, you're watching some, you're watching a game because you're expecting to see Batistuta and then all of a sudden Alexi Lalas pops up with a header and you're just like, oh, my God, completely all about him, you know? <laughs> it really, and I mean, one, one thing that always strikes me about that era is, is the depth. You know, like you had all these teams like Perugia and Piacenza who did have at least one really good player, you know what I mean, who could be playing for like a top team. Yeah, like Perugia had uh, Nakata, for example, and uh, Piacenza had like what, Dario Hübner and stuff like that. Uh, so he just plays all around, doesn't there? Like the whole league was just littered with top t- top talent. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it was it was fantastic. And you go back, It was I was talking about this is a day that it's the goalkeepers as well. You know, you're looking, especially in the early <laughs> 90s era, you know, when even when Senga's gone to Sampdoria and every single keeper that seems to pop up is just incredible. You know, you've got Marchigani, Sebastiano Rossi. And you just think, it's, a, it's, a, it's no wonder that some of the scorelines were low when you look at some of the keepers and the defenders. But yeah, it's, it is good to look back. But uh, well, that's exactly why we're doing this. So... Without further ado, we better kick this off. Otherwise, I'm going to talk about early '90s football all day. But yours, well, we, we've kind of touched on Inter already today, and we talked about European success, and we're going to continue that. Your first goal is from a certain um, Ronaldo. Anticipo di Moriera che ruba il primo pallone. Attenzione, Ronaldo giudicato in posizione regolare. Attenzione, Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro il 3-0. Ma 
Well, talking of uh, Marky Johnny, uh, you just got to mention. Yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell me mean, about this goal. Tell me why. Tell me. I mean, obviously, I know for me personally, this is a massive memory. But talk me through yourself and why. Well, so I always think that, like, um, obviously, so I'm I'm half Italian. My mum's Italian. My mum's uh, born in Rome. Uh, but obviously, I grew up in England. And, you know, football Italian on a Sunday and watching Serie A, it was just like, you know, the Premier League was so far behind. And this was just like a gateway into watching the sort of best players in the world. And whenever you had that chance to watch Italian football at that time, you were watching like, the players that you just, just could never imagine playing in England. And that was what was so fascinating about it. And Ronaldo was kind of like, he sort of encapsulated it all in my eyes because he was, you know, you heard about him for so long and you very rarely got to see him. And then to see him in a final um, and to score a goal that like, well, I mean, if you watch the clip on YouTube, I'd say it's about the third replay before you really appreciate what he's actually done mm. because it's so quick. It's so smart and it's just so instinctive as well. Um, and I mean, like, you know, as a kid, I'd constantly try to uh, sort of, I, I mean, I try, it took me a while to understand what he actually did, <laughs> but it took me, you know, I, I kept trying that when I was playing on um you know, for our football team and stuff like that. So just to try and move from side to side in such a quick motion and like, but still retain the composure. Like, I just think it's so great and I just never retire. I can never tire of watching uh, that goal because I think it's just, it's just so good. Like, you know, because I mean, when you've got so much time as well, like, you know, because he runs with the ball for quite a while, like it's not as simple as people think, you know, you have to retain your composure to get it, you know, just because you've got a lot of time to think and then to sort of like shimmy one way and then the other. And, you know, Madison Gianni, like you said before, is no mug. Um, so yeah I just think it's such a great goal iconic performance from the iconic player of the 90s I think yeah 100% and I think as well when you look at it you know the, the Italian teams were just dominating Europe at that stage you know it wasn't wasn't uh, it was only a couple of years before when you had uh, Juve, Milan and Parma all in finals and I think it was only Milan that lost I think a couple of seasons before when it was at Marseille final and you know again here you've got two of um, Italy's great teams when you know it's, it's the UEFA Cup final and you're thinking you know, it's such a, I mean, for me, it's an iconic night, obviously, because of my interleanings, but it's also, I think that that goal in particular, I didn't, you know, I'd just seen Zanetti smash one in from a ridiculous range that you wouldn't expect to do. And, and so you're already sort of mesmerized by that. And then I think that it was just like you said before, the, the way that he approaches that, he's got so much, he's almost got too much time to think, like you say, too much time to think. And Mark Ajani comes out for that. Um, like, He's had, he almost, um, like you say, that shimmy, he just literally sits him down. And it's that composure yeah. uh, in, in, a, in such a, a big game, even though they are two up at the time. It's just that composure that you just think, wow. And I mean, you know, Ronaldo that season was, you know, he's phenomenal. And you just, uh, for me, for me, it's a, a massive, massive memory because you're right. I think what it does there is, you know, this isn't some, little bit of a backwater where, you know, you, you may be watching uh, on the highlights on Gazetta and, you know, one of your favourite players potentially goes and scores an amazing goal, but it's against Pescara or something. This is like against a very, very good Lazio team. In, in- exactly. And it was like, like you said, like you said, sorry, I just, no, no, just about the, like, the, the UEFA Cup in the 90s was just dominated by Italian teams. Mm. And I think, I think that really just, that really shows to the depth of the league because obviously only one team qualified for the, Champions League and then they're only like basically up against the best teams from all the leagues um, but when you have like you know three or four teams the next three or four teams down the depth in Italy was so strong they would always get to the final I think there's only I might be wrong but I think it's all about what the 96 UEFA Cup final which didn't include the Italian team and there's about three all Italian finals and um, 
But I mean, what Ronaldo did was it's the fact that like to have the presence of mind, like Marquijani, it's almost like Marquijani's expecting a dummy, which is why he does it dummies him twice. Like he knows that Marquijani's expecting, so he, he does a double. And it's just yeah. like the, the sort of presence of mind, like you say, in a final, in that moment, to think that way. Um which is pretty, you know, Zanippi's goal earlier on, which which is actually a bit of a, a bit of a scream as well, but to completely overshadow it is uh, is quite impressive. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and that sort of leads into the second goal because we've been talking about uh, Lazio, and Lazio certainly is something that uh, features in the second goal. So let's uh, let's go. It's Lazio Sampdoria, 1997. <laughs> che rivale due minuti di ovazione dell'intero stadio olimpico. Terza vittoria in otto giorni per la... Now, interestingly with that one, I mean, and frustratingly, I'll let you tell everyone who it was and what, what the goal was like, but I really wish I could have got a clip of the commentary right live at the time. That considering how good the goal is, I'm surprised there's not more footage of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a random one that I just remember from when I was younger. But like, it's Alan Boxic in uh, the final minutes of a Lazio's three nil win over uh, Sampdoria, and he just sort of gets the ball just um, just inside the Sampdoria half, skips around about three players, and then just chips uh, Fabrizio Ferron. And the one thing that always sticks in my mind about this goal is that Ferron starts clapping, applauding the goal, um, like you know, just after it's gone in. And I just think that's just like. To make your, the opposition goalkeepers just sit there and stand there and actually applaud you is, is quite an impressive feat. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, at Boxic, goes back to what we were saying earlier, one of these players who maybe doesn't quite get the credit he deserves. Um, but what an absolute, you know, wonderful player, a wonderful goal. Yeah, it's, for, for me, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous goal. It's, uh, it's a bit of a trademark one for him as well because he, was, uh, he wasn't known for that, wasn't he? He was, it wasn't the first yeah. time he scored like that. But I was ask you a question because... You say that obviously he was underrated in some respects, and I agree with that. But I wonder because his first spell at Lazio, um, you know, sixty-seven games, seventeen goals. It's it's okay, um, you know, it's it's not a bad tally, and it was enough for Juventus to go and perch uh, him. But it just didn't work at Juventus, did it? And I think, do you think he's tarred with that that season where uh, he really did misfire that season for you there? And I don't know if that's maybe a stigma that stuck with it. Yeah, I mean. It's very possible, very possible. Um, I do think that, like, he, you know, obviously, especially that time in Italy, you had a goal scoring. I feel as though you have, like, a goal scoring strike and then you have, like, uh, someone who sort of, like, plays, you know, sort of, like, just helps them out. Whereas, like, and obviously the, the Juventus that season had, like, Christian Vieri, who um, obviously maybe didn't produce the best time of his career, but he, he scored, you know, he was a goal scorer. Like this. And Alessandro Del Piero, who was just becoming one of the best players in the world, and Boxic was kind of like the third wheel, if you will, in that sort of um, team. Uh, and yeah, I guess he didn't really produce his best. Um, but I guess he's, he, is, he is one of those players who will show glimpses of, of magic. Um, and I guess when it comes to sort of his Serie A record, um, I guess he probably... I mean, it's not fair. Maybe this is a bit harsh on Lazio, but like you know, he was never going to be. He, he had to be. A, a, he had to be like he had to show his, his best sort of like with a team that maybe wasn't the best. You know what I mean? Where eyes were mm. all on them every single time, so he could not. You know, he could maybe like disappear, but you know, go quiet for a few games, and then you know, a YouTube highlight here and there, like this goal, for example. Whereas at Juventus, when you when eyes are on you all the time, you have to perform every single game. Maybe that that's not really where he sort of like. Um, 
so that was not his strong point perhaps yeah no I, I can I can completely see that I think that obviously uh, even now it always has been when you're at events it's completely different uh, kettle of fish in, in some respects but you know, I suppose in some ways as well, I mean, you look at that side in 97 and you've got the likes of Pierluigi Cassiraghi and Roberto Mancini in there as well. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they could share the goals out in some respects. But he's, I think the thing is with with a player like Bocic, it's always the, you know, he's one of those players where, for me, it's not someone who you would look back and think is completely pro- prolific, but it's just the quality of the goals he scores. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, those, are, those are the memories that he, he tends to give you. And I mean... You know that season overall. I mean, I mean, would you class him as a success at Lazio, really? Because I mean, what they finished seventh that season. I mean, um, that season in particular, they won they won the cup, didn't they? Which I think was the first they won the Coppa Italia, and in pretty impressive circumstances. Because if I remember mm. rightly, they lost they've lost the they lost the first leg in Milan, and they conceded very early at home. So it was really backed against yeah. the wall. It was really like you know it was really difficult uh, circumstances, and so that was you know he was part of a team that did. Okay, but I mean, like when you think about it, you know. When they signed him from Marseille, I mean, he was a superstar. Like, you know, yeah. he was in the, in the running for the Ballon d'Or. And, like, you know, so I guess if you're judging by that, then, you know, I don't think he particularly, I don't think, he, you know, he never reached those levels with, with, um, with Lazio, obviously. Um, so I guess it depends on what you sort of, what, what, what level you're judging him by. But I think uh, you're right. It's, yeah. Because you look and he was, top, he was top scorer in the Coppa d'Italia. And he was mm. also going top scorer with Nedved. In the league, so yeah, but it's not—it's not a bad season, is it, really? <laughs> when you look at it overall, it's, uh... I think I think it was important. I think it was important for Lazio to win that first trophy, you know, because it was kind of like they get used to it, and then the, then the cup winners' cup comes, and the league comes. So I think it was important in that element, like you know, you need to just make, you know, you need just a couple of players who've won things to get this, to get to bring a winning mentality to a team. So perhaps that's what that was where his influence was. No, absolutely. So moving on. Oh, Keeping with a similar sort of theme, because we're not really getting out of Rome here, which is always nice. Um, we're going we're gonna to move on to uh, the, your two favourite games that you can remember. And it, it was quite funny when you, because we always obviously ask you for a list beforehand. And uh, I must have watched this first game only two days ago. Um, so really? Really, really um, in the memory, um, just the, the build-up beforehand. So, I mean, this is Roma 3, Parma 1 in 2001. And it's obviously the game that sealed the title, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so my family are predominantly Roma fans. So obviously, this was particularly important, particularly poignant in, uh, in my life. In my life, and it was just the fact that, like, I do. I think there's no club in world football where the expectations, comparison to results, are so drastically far apart as Roma. Like they expect to win the title every single season, and it's happened. What? three times in their history. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, there's so much pressure and you just, you know, you, you needed an absolute superstar manager like Fabio Capello to be able to deal with that pressure and actually deliver because it's just almost impossible. But but yeah, I mean, that game, I just think it was, I think, first of all, I think it's it was it was the, the golden era in terms of the top teams because, I mean, it was the, the what, the, the, the third of the four seasons in a row where the title was aside on the last day of the season. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, this is more just a personal favourite because obviously, like the Roma winning the title, and then like the atmosphere in the city before and after and for weeks on end, and it was just incredible for Francesco Totti to score as well. Like he scored the the, the sort of clinching second goal, which kind of just takes the pressure off, you know, because 
um, and then you know his for me his celebration is so iconic with his it is. Shirt, just his shirt taken off and just like running and just you can see how much it means to him. Uh, um, it was an incredible celebration. I think I think when I recently watched that, like I said, it was um, on one of the old Gazette Football Italians and James Richardson at the beginning is talking about the city and what's going to happen in the city and he. He's in, he's in the stand and he's uh, bizarrely he's with Ray Clements and um, you can just feel the atmosphere building and because he he's in the press box and they're talking now and you could just feel it build and for them to like you say I think you're hundred percent right the, the pressure on uh, the Gelarossi every season is immense but the pressure they must have been under to beat Palmer in that game and that you know that team that Palmer team I mean don't get me wrong whilst you know the Roma team had the likes of Montella and Totti and Battistita, obviously the goal scorers on the day, and Walter Samuel and Cafu. You look over the, over that other team. Well, yeah, exactly. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, Buffon and Fuser and Almeida and Cannavaro. And you look at it's one of the one of the Palmer sides that we all remember. And, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was, I was quite surprised that Savo Milosevic popped up there. That was one that um, <laughs> completely, yeah. I completely forgot he was at Palmer. <laughs> But it's, it's it's by no means a given that Roma are winning this match. You know, what I mean, this is not one of this is not a team that you want to. I mean, and Parma also like you know they, they kind of they got a bit of history. They, they they have they sort of seem to play title contenders towards the end of the season. And they sometimes um, sort of have you know get involved a little bit. Um, and yeah, like you say, this was absolutely by no means a given. I mean, all it takes is for a Buffon masterclass, and there's a very very strong chance that Roma just don't score. Um, so so yeah so I mean it was a very difficult game to sort of uh, have but um, yeah obviously the Roma managed to overcome it and um, just amazing just absolutely amazing scenes like I still I still have the uh, the, the the CD from the uh, Venditti concert in Rome that night <laughs> and like the uh, yeah the atmosphere when all the players turned up to the uh, yeah the, the concert in uh, Circo Massimo and like ah, it's just incredible absolutely incredible. Well, that's they were building the stage beforehand. They couldn't not win. The yeah, party. I don't know what would exactly. happen because they'd already decided where the where the, where they were going to lift it, where they were going to take it. They'd had everything. <laughs> there. I mean, like I said on that that thing I was watching with James Richardson, he's taking you round at the beginning, saying this is where it's all going to happen, and this is, look at the stage being erected now, and you're thinking if they don't win this, it's going to exactly. be horrendous. And I don't, I don't you know, I, I honestly think you mentioned Booth on there. If um, if Roma don't score the first goal, if, if that would have been, you know, if Palm and it hadn't have been, I think when Totti scored and why that goal for me is, like you said, it was so important, is because it's like a release of tension. It's almost like it's meant to be that they win it. It's meant to be Totti. Yeah. And when that happens, it's almost like, okay, it's going to be our day. Whereas if it had gone the other way, I don't know if... Uh, I would have Absolutely. been too much the pressure. Especially, especially because, you know, you've end, I mean, I guess it's, it's not the same as nowadays because obviously back then you had the little radio and you're keeping up with the scores and, like, you know, Juventus take a very early lead yeah. against Atalanta. So, I mean, that obviously just adds to the pressure. And obviously, like, you know, it was not vintage Juventus, but it's Juventus. Like, you know, when, you, when you're up against Juventus, you know that Juventus are, um, are going to push you all the way. So, you know that the, you, basically Roma know that they absolutely have to win yeah. because, you know, um, which only adds to the pressure. Is uh, that I think it's Trezeguet, Trezeguet scores from memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, it's early on. It's quite emphatic, isn't it? And then you think, okay, but no, exactly. Roma came through and, and won the day. And oh, seamless link again, but not a good. 
Absolutely, because we're going to go into your second game and we're talking about title deciders and bottle jobs and uh, uh, go on then, tell us. Tell I, I know, I mean, so that, that was more of a personal favourite because it's just such a great day, great memory. This is just incredible, incredible drama. I'm sorry to say, but just exactly pretty much 12 months on, the final day of the uh, the 5th of May, famously, uh, 2002, and that Lazio Inter game. I just, I just, I don't, I mean, I was, I was trying to think about this, and in terms of, I can't remember, first of all, a title race where the, the I can't remember many title races where the team who actually started the, the day top didn't finish top. It's quite rare that the team who actually, you know, like, you, you get situations where, like, they both win or something like that, but, like, the fact that the team who finished top didn't finish top, the fact that there were three teams who could still win the title and all had a very good chance of winning the title. Um, just incredible drama. And then for Inter to just like, you know, a decade of just coming so close, or not, not necessarily coming so close, promising so much and failing to deliver and then just for it all to just explode into the most dramatic circumstances. It was just incredible. It was just the most pats out of all the Inter sort of moments that I can remember. It's just shocking. In fairness, you know, look. it was, and it's funny because I mean, people always think about Ronaldo, who like, uh, you know, he had a poor game and like, you know, ended up leaving. But like, he actually played. If I remember rightly, he played quite well the last the, the sort of running. He actually, yeah, he's got quite he got quite a good record of like, you know, he, he got he really really helped like uh, in sustain the title race. And, yeah, and um, and yeah, and, but obviously that image of him on the on the sort of bench, like, you know, just devastated, like, crying. Like, it was just just inc- an incredible collapse. It's, it's, and obviously, given the circumstances of Lazio and Inter's, you know, right of friendship <laughs> and the fact that Lazio risked handing the Roma the title, it's just... Well, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, for me, it's the most Inter thing I've ever seen because it's yeah. you know, the most passive thing possible because, you know, like you say, the fans are twinned. I mean... I was at the uh, Champions League game when Vicino scores that last-minute header a couple of seasons ago, and it's packed. But it's un- and you know, yeah. unusual for Italian football. All the fans are in together. You know, these like Lazio, yeah, 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 yeah. Lazio fans wanted Inter to win this game. They were cheering on yep. Inter. You've got a situation where it was supposed to be a walkover, and you know, there's always a story that you know, obviously, Karol Poborski didn't get the note, and uh, <laughs> 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 what was supposed to happen and. And obviously, you know, at half time, they obviously as well, they know that Roma aren't going to win the title. So they decide to, okay, maybe we go out and play and words are said. And then obviously the result goes that way. But I mean, even then, I mean, how Inter got so blindsided from that, whether it was just the fact that they were, you know, expecting to, to walk over there. But I mean, it's true though, isn't it? In some respects, in Italian teams at that time, and this is not just between Inter and Lazio, this happened with Milan. With Juventus, I mean, I remember a game, Milan in Brescia, uh, 1995, and it was disgraceful. Brescia needed to stay up, Milan needed to, to, to win the, a point to win the title, point to stay up, and bizarrely, it was 1-1. And, you know, this, this yeah. happened all the time. And Absolutely. I mean, it was crazy why Lazio decided to play, in a sense. Well, it's, it's just it's just funny, isn't it? Because it's kind of like, you know, you'd, you'd be sat here sort of saying like, you know, if, if Lazio had kind of like just laid down and died, everyone would be asking the question like typical, typical. And then when they don't, it's almost like, why is it this one time that they choose not to do it? Um, and it's, it's yes, yeah, so it's just it's just a bit like I mean, it was it's the, it was so emphatic as well. You know, it wasn't just like, you know, 
one nil. I mean, they scored. Was it three second half goals, or was it? Did they got? Uh, yeah, and it was just, just, and is that you know? I mean, the fact that you know Inter were two one up. I mean, that that sort of, you know, and then all of a sudden to just get to just lose in that fashion is just, just crazy. Because like you know, I thought Inter started the game. If I remember right, Inter started the game quite well. Yeah, and then just completely, completely tailed off. It's hard to tell with it. Yeah, I would say they started the game quite well, but I think that's because Lazio allowed them to start the game quite well. You know, yeah. it's um, you know, it's almost almost a bit of a given. And so, yeah, it's um, you would expect them to. But yes, well, probably the less. Yeah, it's quite similar into the Roma terms of obviously like Roma were at home against Parma, but I mean Lazio obviously like I mean Lazio's collapse was quite big in terms of like from the two thousand title winning team to two thousand two, where they're just about. Was it you know trying to get into the um, UEFA Cup? But um, you know, obviously, it was always going to be a tough game on pace because they are playing one of the best teams. But yeah, like, no. you know, to lose in such fashion was crazy. Oh, completely. And you know, it's I think that it's there are teams where I think sometimes when you look at the, the greatest teams, sometimes and you know when you look at like a, the way Juventus tend to operate in those situations by Munich, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, those are the sort of games that they don't lose. And I think for a long time, you know, yeah. waiting that first title for 13 years, it was, uh, it's almost like um, you know, you've got an agreement with, with, with Lazio, then you get this sucker punch and, you know, you may, it's, like, it's like a boxing yeah. match, you're supposed to go down in the third and then when they don't, you, you haven't really got a plan. So it's, <laughs> well, yeah, true, yeah, it's yeah. Italian football that we moan about this, about the fact of, you know, we've seen so many games where it's happened and you think, why? Why not? Because normally what happens, like I said before, you know, I mean, use that music. that happens, and then the papers say, "Oh, you know, this is terrible." That's happened. Then it gets forgotten, forgotten about in two days' time. So yeah, that should have been normal procedure, but it wasn't. But moving on now, and I think this is where you've made an error because I asked you, "Who would you want to sit down and watch all of these games with?" Uh, you know, all yeah. of these games, and you know, um, and why, of course. And you've chosen Christian Vieri now. If I'm not mistaken, Christian Vieri's just played in that 4-2. So he's not going to be happy about watching that. And a former Lazio player might not be too happy about watching your Roma game either. But, <laughs> so, I mean, listen, I, Bobo Vieri, I love him to pieces. Tell me about why, why Bobo. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a difficult one because, like, uh, you know, to watch these specific games, it's probably not the best, uh, the best, the best uh, option. Although, like, I guess it'd be interesting to get his insight and uh, how he was feeling when he, uh, when he scored on that day. Um, but no, I guess the thing is, Vieri in specific, I just think he is probably the most underappreciated. Like, I, I, I remember thinking there was a time where, like, he was being spoken about as, like, the greatest centre-forward of all mm. time. Um, and, like, you know, I remember, like, people saying that he was, you know, Van Basten's probably the only striker they've ever seen better than him. And, like, you know, obviously, he sold for a world record fee. And, like... Um, yeah, you know, he, he played for a different team pretty much every year in the 90s, I remember, until he went to, uh, to Inter. And, you know, he just kept... Sc- I mean, as good as he was at Inter, and he was great at Inter, I just think his season at Lazio was just absolutely incredible. Um, and that's what I really remember of him. Um, but, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's very underappreciated for an absolute superstar that he was. And I guess, you know, I also just think he's probably a fun guy to actually hang out with as well. Um, <laughs> I did to it as well, so, so yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's interesting you say that because that season at Lazio, um, you know, 
he gets 12 goals in 22 and it is a, an absolute, I remember him a lot for that. I mean, obviously in his inter days, it's a strange one because, you know, he's got 103 goals, 140 plus games and that should be, he should be a bit more revered, I think. But, you know, it's time when you've got yeah. like Ronaldo and later you've got Adriano. You know, I used some players at Inter, it was that, actually that era when money was thrown at the team. And But Vieri, like you say, it's funny because and we're not, we've, we've forgotten as well, you know, he goes off to Spain to... Absolutely tears it up at Atletico, doesn't yeah, it? Like? Exactly. He's like, he's level games and goals, isn't he? 24-24 or something like that. And you think... Uh, and in an era when that was not, you know, nowadays, I guess uh, these sort of stats are kind of skewed a little bit yeah. because of the Messi-Ronaldo numbers. But back then, I mean, that was incredible numbers. Like it's, it, it was. And it's strange that he goes out there. It's only one season, you know. It's, uh, I don't know, because I, I look at it and I, I, I wonder as well with that. It's a good point you make, if, why, whether we do look back at that era. And is it because there's so many good strikers? But even if there is, and, I, you know, we remember a lot from back then, he's still one of the best. You know, he's still, he still should be up there. And I do think that when we go back, he does get overlooked. I think potentially when maybe you do look back, you start to dig into a bit more, you see that and think, wow. But it's, um, it's some career he's had. But do you think he was underappreciated for the national team? I mean, played about 50 times. I don't know. Because the thing is, when I think about him, I, I, I always think of him as being the number one striker for mm. Italy. Like, Basically, he was the main. You know, I remember thinking in the '98 World Cup, like, and you know, he, he was he was the main guy. Uh, maybe wasn't supposed to be, but he, you know, his, his goals, his, his goals, he 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 was, and then he was Italy's top scorer again at 2002. Still in 2004, he was, if I remember rightly. Uh, so I always think that he, in the, you know, in the major tournaments, like he sort of he was. But I just think that, like, you know, when people look back at like great Italian sort of centre forwards. I still think people will think of, and I'm not, I mean, I'm a big fan of Inzaghi, for example. I, I really, really like him. But, you know, I, I do think that people will think of Inzaghi, for example, as when they think about Italy's Italian centre forwards, they'll think of him rather than someone like Vieri. And I just think Vieri, I, I just think that he just happened to be, you know, he was the best Italian striker in a league which also had Battistuta and Ronaldo. And, and I just think maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he, he was just, the wrong, the wrong time, you know. Maybe if he, if he'd been a little bit earlier, I don't know. Maybe if he had been in between the sort of Bambaster and Ronaldo yeah. era, like you know, if he'd filled that void where there was no, you know, maybe that would have been his his sort of time. Yeah, it's a good point actually. And I think, I mean, I suppose as well. I mean, we, well, he certainly we don't we don't forget him now, but it's uh, in some respects. But like you said about him being a fun guy to hang around with, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'm sure he is. I mean, you know, you <laughs> you can imagine. Go, I mean, the guy runs his uh, fashion show with Paolo Maldini. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not short for yeah. a relationship or two. Um, yeah, he's on <laughs> the people he hangs around with. Uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing, should we say. And uh, he's obviously got his restaurants in Milan. So he's um, obviously a character as well. But I think at that time, you know, he's so strong. So, such a strong player. And he just seemed to have So everything. strong, yeah. I'm trying. The, the thing with Vieri as well, I think, is... I can't comp- I can't think of anyone now to compare to him. You know, like sometimes we go, oh, this guy's going to be the new Ronaldo. This guy's going to be, you know, uh, yeah. reminds me of Batistuta, whatever. I do, well, not many do that. But then I can't no. think of any player now who I could like him to. He just seems to be one of a kind for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, like the thing, he, he sort of, 
he's he la- he didn't lack anything, did he? He would score absolute screamers. He'd score important goals. He'd score hat tricks. You know, he he just he just had everything. But he was obviously like at the same time there was no one particular thing that you'd be like this is his necessarily his strong point because he was like really good at so many different things um and and yeah i just think that he was you know i mean he was just a player that you wanted in 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 front of goal all the time um and i just i do think it's quite talented especially when you look at the 98 world cup i think that's the one where yeah. i think italy had some you know you yet you had Del Piero and Nzagi, who'd just gone to the Champions League final um, with Juventus and, you know, won the title. Baggio had, I mean, it's crazy to say, but he literally had one of the best seasons of his life. Mm. And then you had Christian Vieri, who'd not been playing in Italy that season and is the number one striker fifth at the World Cup. And I do think that's how highly he was really revered. That's, like, that's a really good um, point because Italy at the time still had that mentality that if you were playing outside of Italy, yeah. you wouldn't really... If you weren't, it's because you weren't yeah. good enough. That's probably, that was another probably idea. Absolutely. Okay, well, we've got a bit of time left, so I just wanted to touch base on another one we sent you sent through. Um, talking of, well, I was going to say not good enough, but that's pretty harsh on him, to be fair. Um, one of the goals you sent over was is one of my personal favourites, and uh, I'm just going to let you talk us through this in a moment. Touchdown towards Brasson. So, what we want to ask there is for some of our listeners who may be just saying, who's that? Tell them who it is and, and, and why that is so spectacular. So, it's uh, Fiorentina's Mauro Bressan uh, at the camp now. Just the ball just it cleared, falls, just sort of bouncing just outside the area, and he just absolutely produces an incredible overhead kick. Uh, from what we're thinking, uh, I mean, I'm terrible at working this out. What 30, yeah. 25 30 yards, yeah, yeah, and it just flies in the net. Um, and and yeah, and I think that, like, again, I mean, Fiorentina, they've had they had uh, they were only in the Champions League for one season until um, mm. what 2010 or something, and when they got back in again, yeah. 2009. Um, and you know, and it was a shame because that was such mm. a good team. Uh, and they actually didn't, they didn't, they didn't half leave the mark because, I mean, obviously that goal in particular is incredible. But it's got a few good goals that season, uh, Batistuta in particular. But, you know, to, to go to Barcelona and, and to score uh, a goal like that is just incredible. From, again, from a player who, though, with all due respect, I, you know, he's not, not exactly one of the most famous players to sort of have scored at, uh, against Barcelona. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, you know, you look at look at his clubs and he's sort of a bit of a wander around the likes, you know, Como, Foggia, Calgary, Venezia. And then obviously he had that time with Fiorentina. And for me, what I love about him, though, is that that was his moment. That was it. That 3-3-4. That's, yeah. that's the moment where he's, you know, if he doesn't score that goal, I don't think unless you're, you know, a, a really... You're not a Fiorentina fan, for instance, which you played probably, uh, or Bari fan, where you played a lot of games there as well. You're not really going to be talking about him day in, day out, you know, when you're talking about your club. No. But that goal no, is that, when, like, days like when you sent me, sent me the goal and I see that name, I smile because I know what it is. And it just makes me laugh because yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, after that, you know, the, unfortunately for him, you know, he ended up uh, involved with 
2011-2012 match fixing uh, scandal, which also involved Beppe Signori. But you know, so yeah, he's no. had um, a bit of a, a checkered, checkered career in a sense. But I think that for him uh, to have that goal against Barcelona is—I mean, if you've not seen it, we'll, we'll link all these up the goals so you can make sure you see them on our Twitter feed. But that for me, one of the best—I would say—would you go so far as to say it's one of the best Champions League goals we've seen? Um, yeah, definitely. No doubt about that. And just to clarify, so it wasn't at that camp, I don't know why. It's at, it was um, at the Frankie. Um, but yeah, it was honestly. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it is one of those goals. If you've never seen it, it really does, it is really this to happen. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It was, well, that's. <laughs> We've come to an end, but we could have, could have talked uh, quite a bit more, actually, because uh, I know you had other goals as well, which we could have uh, certainly talked about. But first of all, I just want to thank you for coming on because that's been really good. I really enjoyed the look back, um, you know, especially some of, some of the ones we talked about. You, even though the intergame, OK, it's a bad memory, it's still incredible to look at that and to, to try and it makes me want to go and try and get my head around it even more. Um, you know, the, the Roma game, as you said, against Palmer is extremely special. And some of the goals you picked out have been absolutely superb. So, no, I just uh, really want to thank you for coming on. And uh, just if any of our readers, listeners uh, want to hit you up, where can they find you? And if there's anything that you're doing at the moment you want to tell them, just give them a shout. Um, yeah, oh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. A big fan of the, uh, the podcast. So it was great, great to be a part of it. And I really, really enjoyed the, the look back in time. Um, yeah, so I, you can find me on Twitter at, at Andrew Chairsaddy, all one word. And, uh, and yeah, just basically a lot of my work is just mainly on ESPN. Uh, so I'll link out uh, any of the stuff I do. But uh, yeah, you can find all my stuff on there. Um, so yeah, Twitter's the best place. Yeah, good stuff. No, it's been really, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And we obviously hope you're going to come back very soon and uh, get over to Andrew's Twitter feed and give him a follow because it's certainly worth it. So Andrew, once again, thank you very much and uh, ciao for now. Thank you. Ciao for now.